<coughs> Podcast Network Asia. Hi, everybody. I'm Edric. I'm Joy. Welcome to Family, family Unbox, where we talk about everything family, from the light stuff, the fun stuff, to even the heavy and controversial stuff. Because our desire is to encourage families and see the world changed one, one family, family at, at a time. time. Hello, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of Family, Family Unboxed. Unboxed. And I'm going to mix it up a little. I'm going to try and interview Joy. Uh, she's an amazing resource when it comes to this topic because of the information that she's been able to uncover. And for those of you that know my wife and no, I... it's because I'm the reader. And I was just going to say... are the talker. <laughs> she is really more of the reader and I'm more the communicator or the talker. <laughs> Um, but what is it that we're going to talk about today in this episode? We we thought that, you know, especially given what is happening around us, I'm specifically looking at the Filipino audience in the Philippines and maybe those that are closest to the capital in Manila and how we've been hit by back-to-back storms and people are, you know, really not in a good place. And we thought that when it comes to family, this is a good thing to also help instill in our children it is the principle of being a giver and not a taker. And even for us adults, if we're to be honest, this is a great principle for us to also learn how we need to be more of givers and not takers. Now, let me set it up by talking about this taker or the entitlement problem that is present in many children that we've seen and experienced also from what we've heard. Even with our own kids at times, right? They can act entitled. So it's not just about other people's children. This is We've seen and heard, yes, our, our kids, children. other yeah. kids, families we've worked with, right? Uh, so a couple of things. Interesting. There's a term that, was become, that became popular in um, North America called affluenza. What is affluenza? They, the term is coined because in an economy or in a situation where people generally are comfortable you know, with uh, the material things they can buy, their income levels, etc. The problem is there's so much stuff that people become entitled. They they don't know how to be content, and you'll see this. I remember one of the things that surprised me is when Joy's uh, brother-in-law uh, was moving out of his apartment in the West Coast. As we were helping him unpack, he just left the furniture and TV on the sidewalk. And I said, aren't you going to bring that to sell? It's like, no, let other people take it. I'm like, wow. You know, and it's a, it's a small example. Apparently, that's a common thing in many parts of the U.S. where you know, affluenza is present. And in the Philippines, if we're to be honest, in certain socioeconomic classes in the Philippines, I would say everyone from the lower middle class up where decent jobs, decent homes, affluenza is also permeating you know just look at how so many people despite what's happening are able to still buy online etc and sometimes even borrowing money just to be able to do these things so this affluenza can bring about the idea of taker get as much buy as much as you want and, and this expression of maybe even buying something you don't need with money you don't have to impress people you don't like i've been guilty of that so this is the background of taking and being a taker. It is a phenomenon, apparently, that is best described by that word affluenza. And, you know, when we look at children, there are a couple of resources I wanted to ask my wife about now. The first of them has to do with child-centric parenting. Honey, can you explain that what that is and how that's dangerous, even as we look at not making sure our kids are takers? Before I, before I get into that, I think I just want to make it clear that all of us have the tendency 
to be entitled, it really stems from being self-centered. I mean, when our children are growing up and as we observe our, our children, they're so cute when they're little and they're just so adorable. Then all of a sudden they start manifesting self-centered, self-seeking behavior. And we see that in ourselves as well as adults. So when we talk about this concept or not concept, the reality that a lot of us can tend to be takers, whether we have a lot or a little, it's really this mindset of me first, you know, what I want, what's comfortable for me, what's do me. And it's basically self-centered thinking. So I don't think that we can even say that it afflicts just a certain class of society, but all of us have it in us to to be self-centered. So we want to make sure that as our children are growing up, we avoid allowing them to develop self-centered behavior, self-centered thinking. And we can do that by not, as Edric said, he mentioned the term, by not revolving our parenting around them, not doing child-centric parenting. And we got this term from an author, Dr. John Roseman. He's one of the foremost, I think, child development psychologists or family psychologists in, in America. He's written a lot of books. I've used him as a resource. He's, he's also a great speaker. But he talked about how... That's, we've heard at a conference and actually met, right? We right, we've met him in person. Yeah. Good resource. He, he wrote about this child-centric parenting in his book, his book is called <laughs> Having a Mental Block, Parenting by the Book. There we go. And he basically said that a lot of us, when we, when we parent our children, our tendency is to not allow our children to become independent of us, but very dependent on us. And we do this by catering to their every whim. And I think this tends to happen now because as men and women get married older, and have only a few children, sometimes even just one child. I, I, I like to call it like the golden child because it's a child that they've been waiting for for years. And they get married when they have a certain economic status, which means that they can afford to give their children or child a lot of things at that point. So See, one of our friends even said, you know, Edric, Joe, you have six, so you can mess up on one and you'll be okay. But us, we only have one, so we need to make this one count. Remember that. So right, that's so kind I think- of the... Uh, where joy is coming from. Right. So the, there's this, there's a lot of pressure for parents at this stage to make sure that their child turns out well, turns out right. And they're well-meaning. I mean, I think I would like to think that all of us as parents try to be well-meaning. And sometimes we think that by, you know, dropping everything for our children, by making everything about them, that that will make them emotionally healthy. But it actually does the opposite. And I read about this in another book, and it's called... It's, it's cultivating a culture of disrespect. And let me just read a quote here. And this is a book called The Collapse of Parenting. It was a New York Times bestseller written by uh, Dr. Leonard Sachs. And uh, it says here that if we are primarily concerned about winning our children's love and affection and focus instead on our duties as a parent, teaching our children right from wrong and communicating to them what it means to be a responsible man or woman, a gentleman or a lady within the constraints of the culture you are trying to inculcate and to share, then you may find that your child loves and respects you. However, too often, parents today allow their desire to please their child govern their parenting. 
If your relationship with your child is governed by your own desire to be loved by him or her, the odds are good that you will not achieve even that objective. Something hardwired is going on here. The child expects to look up to the parent, to be instructed by the parent, indeed to be commanded by the parent. But if the parent instead serves the child, then that relationship falls out of its natural balance. A parent who puts the child's wishes first may earn only the child's contempt, not their love. It's interesting, right? Because it seems counterintuitive. It seems like the more we try to earn our child's love by building a good relationship with them, and we'll clarify this in a second, would automatically mean that they would respect us more and listen to us and obey our authority. However, if we revolve our our parenting around them, when we try to build a relationship with them, in other words, whatever they wish for, whatever they want, mom, I want an iPad. Mom, I want a new phone. My, you know, my friends have a, have the newest phone. Can you get me that? Mom, you know, how come my friends get to buy these kind of shoes? I want those kind of shoes also. Mom, everyone on social media has this. I should have it also. And then if we start catering to this and, being pressured also by our children to give them whatever they want when they want it, then this is the sort of thing that will distort uh, our parenting relationship with them. Because then what happens is they begin to see us as somebody who is present to give them whatever they want. And on the one hand, we want to build a good relationship with them. We've talked about this in the other episodes, or we want to have a strong relationship with them. We want to be able to influence their hearts. We want to make sure that they're confident, that we love them, that they're secure in their relationship with us. But when we give them too much too soon, especially when it comes to material things, this is what breeds the entitlement mentality. And this also causes them to lose respect for us because, like I said earlier, it's like we exist to give them whatever they want whenever they want it. I love how this one mom at a parenting workshop we did went up. She said, I just want to validate this idea of entitlement. She's actually a grandmother. She said, my daughter called me and she was panicking. Apparently she sent her daughter to Canada for schooling and married and started a family there. And her, the nine-year-old grandchild of this lady that approached me was talking to her mother in Canada. And she said to her mom, if you don't do this, what I want you to do, I will call 911 on you and report you. You know, I was shocked to hear that. But she said, so thank you again for reminding us how it's important to address this. Because if it doesn't, if it remains unchecked, it can lead to behavior like that. Shocking, but it's true. So I think my question, babe, uh, honey, for you would be along the lines of this entitlement, which of our children do you think struggles with this? Who do you think is more of a taker and why? Well, I think we were pretty, we were, we were more firm with our older children. But as we had more and more kids... I think we began to relax more. We, meaning both of us, or <laughs> just someone between the two of us? I think when our girls came around, you also were soft towards them because you even said, right, it was harder for you to discipline our daughters and they would just look at you with their beady eyes and you would get mesmerized. So I think it's both of us. But we've we've tried to change that in the recent years. But one of them, I think at this point right now... <laughs> can manifest self-seeking, self-centered behavior in the sense that it's always about her. And if there's something that happens, she's always has this victim mentality and everyone has to cater to her. And so we're working on that. And by God's grace, I'd like to think that she's improving. So we, how do we manage this? Well, I, I also try to encourage her when I see the right behavior, the right attitude and right perspective in her. And we have to correct when she's acting selfish. So we're trying to balance that. But what what we're basically saying is it exists in every family. 
and we we deal with it as well. And so one of the things that we have tried to do through the years to make sure that our children are not, you know, always thinking about themselves, about what they want, what they need. I'm just going to explain it right now. Yeah. Before I do, I wanted to ask Joy more. I like, I like oh, asking questions okay. right, towards you today. Um, tell me about uh, telltale signs. How do you know? That's why I asked about our children. How will a parent know if they become child-centric in their approach or their kids are becoming entitled? Can you give some telltale signs that you've seen that, you know, we work through families with as well? Yeah, I would say disrespect is, is one of the signs where a child acts very unbecomingly towards, towards his parents, her parents. For example, a parent says something and they snap back at them or they answer in a rude way or they ignore their parents and then there's disobedience as well. And I would say another telltale sign would be when they don't get what they want. If they're a little child, they will scream, maybe throw a tantrum, act, you know, have a bad attitude, sulk. (laughs) If they're older, they will have a bad attitude, maybe withdraw, uh, maybe even... Uh, you know, m- try to be manipulative in the way that they act towards their parents by making their parents feel badly and guilt tripping them. So I would say that these are some signs of an entitled child. And then I-, I think that, you know, we have to be honest. Sometimes the reason why they are like that is because we've role modeled the wrong things to them. You know, when we always act like takers ourselves, when we are always buying ourselves things, um, not not, uh, you know, it's always also about, you know, uh, materialism and having and getting and more of this and more of that. And it's never enough. Our children latch onto that. They see that. And so the example that they see in us, they will also copy. So I think we also have something to do with that. Like I remember when one of my daughters said, I really love shopping. And of course there's nothing wrong with shopping. Okay. And, And it's not like that's evil, but it was, it was at a point I noticed in her where she was kind of obsessed with with looking up stuff online to buy. And she's a, she's a young child. I think it's because she saw it in me, especially during this quarantine, because most of the shopping I did had to be online, whether it was for the groceries or stuff for the house or clothes for the kids or or whatever it was. And so she felt like, you know, that's the way to shop now. So when I would allow her to do window shopping online, boy, she just she went kind of crazy. Like she would repeatedly add things into the cart, look at various vendors and get super excited about it. And she would say, you know, this really excites me and start to get concerned. And she's not really, I wouldn't say she's at the point of really acting entitled because she's got a great heart by God's grace. But I think it starts there, right? Where if they see in us these sort of behaviors where we value material things a lot and we put a premium on material things or we buy very expensive things that we don't necessarily need. Sometimes it can be branded luxury items and we don't really, really need them, but we give in to those wants. And our children are smart, right? They'll pick up on those things. So I think we have a role to play in it as well. Thanks, honey. And we talked a lot about then the modeling episodes, right, which we did. So before we proceed, we want to invite you to check out other shows from Podcast Network Asia. 
Hi guys, my name is Francesca. And you've got me, Jelly. You've got Del here. All right, so we hear that you like to listen to podcasts. You know what? That is pretty cool. It's the in thing to do right now. And we've got one. It's called The Eavesdrop. Do check it out, okay? We like to talk about everything and anything that's probably on your mind. Um, unfiltered, unedited, <laughs> sometimes to our own disadvantage. But go check it out after <laughs> listening to this one. All right, so welcome back. Uh, we've been talking about giving versus taking and how important it is, especially in the climate that we have now that we inculcate in our children not to be takers so much as givers, not to succumb to entitlement, which is really rampant here and all over the world. And we've talked about that. So now let's talk about how we can instill giving, right? Uh, as I do, I just want to give you guys this insight that, that I, I gained from a book called God and Money. It's by a bunch of Harvard guys. John Cortinas and Gregory Balmer. I, I highly encourage you guys, you know, on, on money in general. It's a great book and a great read. Anyway, this is what they said in the area of giving. If all of the world's affluent gave just 1% of their income to fight extreme poverty, it would be more than double what governments currently contribute and could eradicate extreme poverty from the earth. I want you to help appreciate that. If basically they gave 1%, 1%, of their income, we would wipe away poverty. That's basically what it's saying. And it shocked me. And it's interesting that, that this is presented because that the, the, the logical question is now, then why don't we just do that? Why is there still poverty? And remember, this is just from the affluent, right? Those that have affluenza excess. The point behind it and the point I'm giving as I share this is because we need to give more. Right? That's clearly the solution. If we want to be able to help those that don't have, then we need to be able to give more. And I've been giving talks left and right also to this pandemic about money, etc. And you know, part of the messaging I have been reinforcing is the fact that you know, if it weren't for the givers in this season, many of us would literally not be alive. I mean, we've been you know, really rallying behind frontliners all over the world and how they've been giving so much of their time and energy and expertise and some literally even their lives. Uh, so this giving is so counterintuitive, but is so powerful and is so especially relevant now. So let's ask, honey, I want to ask you, what are some practical ways that you've seen or that we've seen that has helped children become more of givers than takers? Well, we could start off with our homes because children can participate in helping out around the house. And, you know, we'll be honest, we do have household help and they're great plus for our family. And we really appreciate them. And I don't know how I would be able to really enjoy my parenting journey and homeschooling my kids if I didn't have them to help me. So, so I love them and I appreciate them. At the same time, I don't want our family and our children to be dependent on them to serve them. So teaching our kids to serve one another at home, uh, even serve their ates, um, our household help, and serve even Edric and myself, and so we, we try to make it a culture in our home where we serve one another. And one way they can do this is by doing chores. So we don't pay our children for doing chores because all of us in our home, the mindset is, this is our home. We're all going to take care of it together. So they do gardening with Edric. They are supposed to be cleaning their toilets and their bedrooms. The homeschool room has to be impeccable after we use it. Because I tell my kids, don't expect people to pick up after you. That's your responsibility. So if you make a mess, you clean it up. And they also help us clean the kitchen. 
after every meal, they're supposed to clear the table. They're supposed to, you know, not leave that to the household help to do. So that's one way that we help our children to be contributors in the home. Uh, Sorry, not to be entitled, but to be more of givers is to get them to help out at home. Right. And, and, you know, just jumping on what Joe is sharing about the chores, part of the principle we also want to share to families is if you want to help them break out of the entitlement and just focus on themselves and taking, you can also ensure that you don't give your kids an allowance. And I know that sounds radical, but hear me out. I learned this from, I believe it was Dave Ramsey of the U.S., a financial guru there as well, personal finance guru. The idea of allowance for school-based kids, right, it seems normal. So give them only what they literally will need to buy lunch, et cetera. If there's any, you know, field trips, things they need for school, give them the money. But if it's to save, to be able to buy things that they want instead of need, then I would encourage you, I reinforce that principle. And we've seen this in our own home and in other families where you don't give them an allowance. Instead, give them jobs. Give them something that will make them earn whatever it is that they want or you know, if they want to be able to save up. And part of how you want to do that is do not allow them or do not pay them for chores, which is why I jumped in as Joy was sharing chores, because chores is a day-to-day. It's a responsibility that helps them focus less on themselves, but instead on doing the responsible thing and helping out, you know, so that it becomes less of a burden to other people around them. So so make sure you do that, uh, even as you look at the concept of allowance and as you do, they will learn the value of working for something instead of it being handled. Because in the real world, and I love this, in the real world, you don't graduate from college and wait for someone to give you an allowance. You work for it, right? You do a job. You don't do chores unless that chore, for example, housekeeping and all that is the profession you go into. So that, that's very important. Uh, and, and, you know, speaking of earning and developing this ability to work towards something, you want to talk about our children and how we did that, for example, Elijah. And yeah, the iPad. right. Elijah, when he was about 12 years old, he really wanted, he's into tech and he really wanted to get um, the iPad. What was it back then? iPad Air 2. And it was, I can't remember how much it was, but he really wanted to get it. We were in the U.S. at the time. And so we had a deal with him. We said, you know, what, Elijah, what are you going to use it for? And he said, well, I do talks with dad so I could use it for my talks. And of course, he'd like to do programming as well. And he, he needed it for homeschooling. So we said, okay, well, why don't you come up with the money? You know, dad will give you jobs to do, and then you can pay part of it, and we'll pay part of it. So it's more of a want than a need, to be clear, right? Yeah. yeah. So when it comes to, I, th- I think the point is when it comes to things like wants, then we, we get them to participate in earning the money to be able to afford that want. When it comes to a need, as parents, of course, we'll provide it, right? That's, that's part of our role, and we want to. And sometimes, of course, you also want to give them things that they want and look forward to, like Christmas is coming up, and I'd love to go shopping for the kids. But when it comes to, let's say, things that may be a bit superfluous, uh, unnecessary, like then that. Like, like that, that then we said, okay, um, you know, you'll find a way to afford it. And so he worked really hard, and he was able to come up with 75% of the cost for that iPad. And he did due diligence in researching for the best deal because he knew he was paying for the bulk of it. And so he didn't want to waste money. So, you know, these sort of things allow our children to also understand the value of money, that it doesn't just grow on trees and that if they want something and um, it's a want, it's a desire, then if they can find a way to also provide the money to pay for it, they actually become better stewards of it. Yeah, I learned this very recently from a lady named Lee Bortons. 
She said, struggle is healthy for kids in learning. And I'm now adding even in life. So this struggle towards, okay, if I want this iPad, I've got to hustle. You know, he had to find ways to source that income through the talks he would do with me, saving up some money from maybe gifts that he was able to receive and looking for good deals. Because if he bought a brand new one, it would cost more. So he found a way and we were so proud. And he's mm. cherished that that iPad, even up to this day, he's made, made sure it's it's been well taken right. care of. So, so that's an example. What about... And yeah, and and we also, you know, for for many 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 years, we didn't allow our children to have their own gadgets. That wasn't a culture of ours at all, because we noticed that when children have their own gadgets, then they tend to think of it as this is mine, nobody else can use it, and it's, it exists for my own entertainment and my and it's I get to just do what I want to with it. You can't touch it. Actually, that probably goes with anything that they get. We try to make sure that they understand that. Whatever you have, even if it's a gift, you are the steward of right. it. That's a, another point we wanted to highlight, which yeah. is great. And the idea of stewardship is you are entrusted with the responsibility mm. of taking care of it. But if somebody wants to borrow it, if somebody wants to use it, you're not going to say, well, this is mine. You can't use it because you're taking care of it so that everybody can enjoy it. Right. So they don't develop this idea that it is mine and no one can borrow it. Instead, it is something that I can share. Instead, I'm the one responsible for it as a good steward. And that's been a, a good practice we've seen amongst the kids. Now, another example of, of making sure they value this idea of working for something would be in the air of hobbies. One of our sons wanted to get into a frivolous hobby, in my view, where he wanted to collect these special markers because he liked art. What did he do, honey? Right. He wanted to buy Copic markers. They happen to be one of the more expensive markers that you can get out there, used by professionals, professional artists. And he's one of our son's one of our children who really likes quality things and he can always give the reasons why quality things are better and he can come up with arguments to defend his position. But Edric told him, you know, it's fine if you want to get them, but you have to think of a way to earn the money back. So you're not just spending X amount of money just to get the markers. And he decided to buy and sell those markers. So he bought a bunch of them. He sold them. And with the profit he made, from selling those markers, he was able to buy himself his own set. So he found ways. <laughs> yeah, so he found a way to earn it himself right. and then therefore enjoy it. Because we said, you know, you know, even if as parents we can afford it, the principle is not whether we can afford it or not, although sometimes you really can't. The principle is to help them realize that, hey, you know, there's, there's a struggle that, that is healthy. So he found a way to make it happen and it was so much more rewarding for him. Right, and he's taken very good care of those markers. Because he realized the struggle necessary, yes. right? So it, this is hard for us as parents, right? Because sometimes we equate being loving with giving to our children whatever they want, you know, when they want it. And we delight in seeing their expressions when we give them something. To be honest, between Edric and myself, and Edric knows that this is actually my weakness, when it's Christmas time, that's probably the only time I really spoil the kids with things. But I love to get like all kinds of stuff for them because I love seeing their expressions. <laughs> I love seeing... Their reactions, they say, wow, mom, this is great. But here's the thing. When we give Christmas gifts. Here you go. Another tip. Go. This is another tip. When we give Christmas gifts, we allow our children to open all their presents. And we even have a system when we have Christmas time. Before they open their presents, each present, they have to say something that they are grateful for. Before each present. And they have to get really creative because it's the attitude of gratitude, right? So they have to think through first, okay, what am I thankful for this year? And then they get to open their presents. So they get to unwrap everything, but they're not allowed to 
use everything at once because some of them don't just get toys anymore. They want maybe something electronic or a book. So what we tell them is you get to see everything that you got for Christmas, but we store some of it away so that every week, usually on a Monday, they get to open a new thing to play with. They've already unwrapped it, but they get to now choose from their new things to play with or use one of the things that they got for Christmas. Right. And it's important because, you know, the the value that we're also inculcating here, which helps develop the giving mentality instead of the taking mentality is delayed gratification. We've seen that if kids open everything all in one go, and you're probably nodding your head as you're listening to this, they suddenly get tired and they're like, that's it. Or they get bored and like, you know, they're looking for the next thing. They're, they're waiting for the next thing because they haven't been able to enjoy what they've been given, even if there's so many different gifts they've been given. So even during their birthdays, it's the same principle. This idea of you open all, but you can only play with one at a time so they can fully enjoy it and appreciate it, right? And, you know, I wanted to add on top of the making sure that they're able to delay gratification during Christmas, and this is what I was hoping Joy would share, share, so I'll I'll just jump in and share this now, is we've changed the system. Instead of us giving them gifts, what we do is we give them a budget. And they now use that budget to buy for their siblings. Which, sorry, you just said instead of us giving them gifts. uh, So you still, Joy gives some gifts, gifts, but it used to be we just give them gifts. Oh, right, right. But we changed it so that these are now just token things, maybe in their stocking or some one or two things that are really nice that they appreciate, right? Or Joy's nodding her head because sometimes it goes more than that. Oh, I'm shaking my head because (laughs) because that's not exactly accurate. Like we still give them gifts, okay? But Joy, Joy does. Yes. Because I love that part. That's like the fun part for me. <laughs> but, 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 I'll go back. Um, yeah. They get more excited about Edric's idea, which is he gives them a budget to buy gifts for one another. And they just go nuts about, oh, I'm going to get this for my sibling. Oh, they're going to really like this. In they fact, even pair up and say, let's yeah, pull our let's money combine. together so we can get something nicer. And when it's Christmas, I see them jumping up and down, not so much for what they will receive, although, of course, they love that and Joy still gets the reaction she, she, she's looking for, but because they want to see what their siblings will do as they open the gift they're mm-hmm. giving them. And for me as a dad, I say to myself, you know, jackpot, this is exactly what we want to be able to instill, the, the delight of being able to give more than the desire to just take and receive. So one of our sons, our second son, Eden, he has spent the last two months or more preparing the gift for two of his siblings. And it's it's a fish tank. And he's put all the plants in there. He's designed it. Don't tell anybody. It's supposed to be a surprise secret. for the siblings. My yeah. wife just spilled the beans. So <laughs> keep it secret to yourself. Yeah. And he's put all he's collected all kinds of rocks from different places, even from one of the beaches that we got to go to over the quarantine. And he, every, every, maybe so many weeks, he adds things into that tank because he's so excited uh, to present this to his siblings when they finally get to see it. So he's worked really hard and put his whole heart into it. And I don't know how many times he's told me, you know what, mom, I just can't wait. I can't wait to be able to show this to them. They're going to love it. And I just am so excited. And it delights me. As a parent, and I know it delights Edric as well, because we see their heart, how they're thinking about each other's needs and joy. wants and their joy, joy each delight. other's joy and delight more so than their own. 
So, so I think, baby, your your plan, your yeah. technique is working. <laughs> Excellent. So, yeah, we just want to encourage you, parents. Again, you know, these are simple, practical things that will provide a template for you as you look at how do I help build givers more than takers. And as we wind down and wrap up, Joy has something to say, and then I'll close. Yeah, and I think this is especially relevant because there's so much need out there, right? It's not just about serving one another at home doing things like chores, thinking about each other's needs when it comes to gift giving. Those are cute things, I would say. But there are some very big real needs out there. People need money. People need donations. People need help. People need um, somebody to come alongside of them and just counsel them and be there for them. So we've seen this a lot more in our older children because we have kids who are how old are our oldest? 17. 17 going 18 very soon and 14 going 15 soon. So our two older ones, especially, they're learning to really develop a heart for others. So they do this by having Bible studies with other children who are younger than they are and guiding them spiritually. And that helps them to look outside themselves because every week they meet with these, these kids and they have to think of, okay, what are the character needs of the people in my Bible study group? And how can I do a study, a Bible study that will meet those needs and address their spiritual concerns and help them to grow emotionally and character-wise. So they do that. And they we also try to involve them, and as much as possible, all our kids, in ministry activities. Because ministry activities, whether it's online or in person, we can't do a lot of the in-person anymore. We used to do that more before, where we would travel together, go around speaking, even in different countries and around the Philippines, and we would get our kids to speak alongside us or help out if there was children that needed to be taken care of at the different events and activities we went to. But now it's limited to the online space. So our older kids are the ones who can navigate that better. So when they, let's say, mount events for other high schoolers or they connect with other people online, what we told them and what we encouraged them before is seek to be a blessing. You know, when you go, when you're with people, don't think of, well, what can, what do people think about me? Um, I wonder if I'll get along with these people. I wonder if they like me. Instead, think about, you know, what can I do for the people around me? How can I be a blessing to them? And this is something I learned from my mom. She said, you know, when you walk into a room, Joy, think about how you can bless somebody. Don't think about yourself, but think about how to be a blessing. And this was great advice for me because I, I was I was self-conscious. I was shy. And I tended to really think about what people could do for me or what people thought of me a lot more than what I could do for others. So this advice from my mom, we've also tried to pass on to our own children. And I remember when we went to the orphanage, I think it was last year, we brought, took the kids to the orphanage and we did a ministry activity there. And we we got our kids and also some of our friends' kids to participate in this as well. And we all served the, the, the kids at the orphanage together. And it was life-changing, especially for our older son. He got to see that, you know, there's so many people out there who have so much less than we have not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually. So how can we how can we come alongside people? How can we help them? And he started to really develop a heart for maybe young adults who were struggling even mentally, even emotionally. And he had a friend who was dealing with suicidal thoughts, was struggling with his relationship with his family. And he really came alongside this friend and was there for him and counseled him. And I was so blessed to see that in Elijah because... Before, he wouldn't have extended himself that way. He was a great kid, but he he wasn't used to doing that sort of thing, um, really going out of his way to help people and even counsel them. And now he's part of an organization. They're building an organization to help mental health issues in young people. 
So these are the sort of things we want to encourage in our children. What are the ways that you can make a difference in the lives of people today? Um, recently, we also helped pack goods. And um, I'm not sure we can do that again because of uh, our children are not really supposed to go out of the house to do that sort of thing. So, but just exposing our kids to opportunities like that where they can serve has, we've seen that it's done good for their heart. Elijah's also helped with um, building houses for people. He's done other ministry activities. So this could probably be for older children where they can go out of their way with other friends to serve in different communities and even do mission work for a period of time. That That's good for their soul when it comes to teaching them to be givers. Excellent. Thanks, honey. So I love how she clarified, Joy clarified that you know, in the area of giving, and teaching our kids to give, it's not just in the area of treasure or money, right? Like giving money, buying things for your siblings, but also giving of your talent, your abilities. Like she gave examples of my son and his ability to help build tech platforms, et cetera, for that program or that business they're doing for the mental health. And then the time also, just giving of your time, being able to go out and try and be a blessing to these orphanages. And as Joy was sharing, as I close our time with you guys uh, through this podcast, it, very recently in this this one relief effort where he brought my second son, Eden, you know, he's not a very talkative guy, but he when he says something, it's usually loaded. So after that experience, you know, some of his friends were also there packing and we had a great time actually just helping others together. So when we left, the first thing he said as he got in the car, I said, I love this, dad. When are we going to do this again? And I'm like, wow, he's really enjoyed this. So I wanted to unpack why. And I said, why, son? And in my mind, I was thinking he would say, he had a great time with his friends or the whole family being together, trying to help other people. But he said, you know, I like being able to help others. I like ministry like this. And I was like, wow. You know, and I, I share this as we wrap up because uh, we're seeing it work. And, you know, it, it, we still have many miles to go, many other kids to work on. But our desire for our families and for all of our families is once again that we help them not become takers, but instead Givers, people who are not entitled, children who are not entitled. And I, I I pray and I encourage us to be the same, that we model this to our kids because as we've shared in the past podcasts, we cannot teach our children something we do not do ourselves. So here's a gut check for all of us parents. Are we primarily takers or are we givers? Yeah, and I just want to close with the most important thing that we can give people, especially today, right? I mean, a lot of people are looking for hope. A lot of people feel like the climate of things is so discouraging. And when is it going to end? It's tragedy after tragedy. And what is there to look forward to? And I think that we can encourage our children to also give people hope by making sure that they understand where hope comes from. And so when our kids were really little, we told them about God's gift of eternal life, that eternal life exists because of Jesus Christ. And because Jesus Christ gave us himself, he died on the cross for us, then we can live a life, what we say in Filipino, buhay na walang hanggan, a life that doesn't end in eternity. And we, we've we had this conversation with each of our children because we want to make sure that the best gift we could ever give our kids, you know, it's not the material stuff. It's not even the relationship with us, but it's connecting them to the Lord. Because if they have the Lord, then they have an infinite source to give from. And so we told them about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus and that all of us, you know, we are sinners and we are destined for hell. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, if it wasn't for God giving us his son, Jesus, to die for us, then we would all be headed in that direction. 
And so all our children came to that point where they understood this and we're working on the two youngest ones right now, <laughs> but they, they understood this is the most important thing that we can have that we could give to others. So when we talk about the importance of serving others and the importance of giving your time yourself to be a blessing to others, ultimately what we want to point people to is not ourselves, but to Christ, because um, that's who we really all need is Christ to make a difference in our lives and to change us and to give us eternal life. Especially now, right? Um, I love, I've been sharing this first John 16, 32. I've told you these things so that in me, you may have peace in this world. You will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. That's Jesus speaking that. And you know, if you are looking for peace, maybe that's why you're grabbing and taking and you're not looking to give and because you're struggling and you're looking for hope, then he's the answer. And it is when you are able to have that view that you can really give what matters, give people peace, not from us, but that comes from God, from Jesus. So we hope you um, learned something from this uh, podcast today. As we wrap up, uh, we want to again remind everybody that this podcast has been brought to you by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. We'll see you in the next podcast. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.